11 minutes before 7 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, January 20th, 2021. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. Many Sitka residents, residences experienced a power outage Tuesday at approximately 7.48 p.m. when a vehicle struck a power pole near Allen Marine on Salmel Creek Road. A transformer was damaged in the incident, causing power to remain out until the problem could be isolated. Electricity was restored to affected homes by 9.04 p.m. A few businesses near Allen Marine remain without electricity as the electric department is currently replacing the failed transformer. Sitka reported 15 new coronavirus cases over the last week, and most of the people who tested positive are under the age of 20. That's according to data from the city's COVID-19 dashboard. Eleven of the new cases are young people between the ages of 0 and 19, six of whom are non-residents of Sitka. More than half of the cases are related to travel, and the majority of the people who tested positive had symptoms at the time of testing. Ten of the people who tested positive were men, five were women. The Sitka School District reported one case associated with Blatchley Middle School and one case associated with Sitka High School. The school district, Mount Edgecombe High School, and the city of Sitka all remain in the high alert level. The city has reported 305 cases since the start of the pandemic, 15 of which are considered active. Five people have been hospitalized and no deaths have been reported. The Alaska Senate pulled together a 13-member Republican majority on the first day of the new session yesterday. Sitka Republican Senator Burt Stedman will once again co-chair the Senate Finance Committee. As of press time today, Sitka's representative in the Alaska House, Democrat Jonathan Christ Tompkins, is still in organizational limbo. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports on why the composition of the legislature makes a difference for big issues like the permanent fund and a state income tax. School boards approve calendars every spring for the next school year. Representative Jonathan Christ Tompkins doesn't yet know if he'll be part of a coalition majority made up of fellow Democrats and moderate Republicans, or whether there will be a straight Republican majority like the Senate. The Republican Party lately has shown signs of fracturing between its moderate and extreme right wings, so much so that they might be unable to forge a unified caucus in the House. What Christ Tompkins does know is that with the new Republican majority in the Senate, Alaska residents won't see any statewide sales tax or income tax proposals this year. Instead, the debate will likely revolve around how deeply the state will dip into the permanent fund to make ends meet. Sitka Senator Bert Stedman, a champion of protecting the permanent fund, is likely to be in the forefront of that debate. Christ Tompkins shared his views on legislative organization and its impact on taxes during a recent town hall meeting with the Sitka Education Association. I would guess that any form of revenue, including an income tax, is probably DOA if a Republican majority aligned with Governor Dunleavy forms in the House or the Senate. And even if a coalition is formed, it might be hard to see revenue get play 
because the governor has made pretty clear and very explicit terms that he'll veto any tax that reaches his desk. Price Tompkins restated his argument that balancing the state's budget is mathematically impossible without some form of tax, a position that many in the legislature understand but are unwilling to advocate for. This year is the first time that a governor has proposed dipping into the permanent fund proper to pay the state's bills, a strategy the governor believes is more palatable to voters than restoring the state's income tax. But Christ Tompkins says the gambit doesn't provide much cover for legislators of both parties who want a more sustainable revenue plan. There are a number of legislators, especially from more conservative districts, where you know taxes are sort of like a bad word, and it you know feels politically dangerous to talk about one or support one or vote for one, who say like, well, I realize a tax is mathematically necessary in Alaska that we're never going to balance our budget without one. But like Governor Dunleavy said, he's going to veto it. So like, why make me vote on it? Like, why bring it to the floor if we know it's going to die anyway? Price Tompkins told Sitka educators that he favors an income tax because 20% of Alaska's gross payroll goes to non-resident workers on the North Slope in mining and in fishing. And, quote, that money just grows legs and walks out of the state and leaves nothing behind, end quote. The Alaska House of Representatives in 2017 passed an income tax bill, which then-Governor Bill Walker said that he would sign, but it was defeated by a near-unanimous vote in the Alaska Senate, one of whose members at the time was current Governor Mike Dunleavy. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. One of the most controversial issues the Petersburg School District covers every year is the school calendar. One of the ideas on the table this year is splitting the week-long spring break into several breaks, and another idea is having a four-day school week instead of the traditional five days. KFSK's Angela Denning reports. School boards approve calendars every spring for the next school year, so it's not unusual that the local school board is talking about it in January. There are a lot of factors to consider, says Superintendent Erica Kluepainter. I mean, there's the academic and instructional needs, and then, you know, then there are life needs, and we know that also plays in. State law requires students to be in school for a certain number of instructional hours out of a school year. For fourth grade and up, it's 900 per year, and for younger students, it's 740. Otherwise, Clute Painter says, the calendar is wide open for discussion. The commissioner has been pretty open to different districts doing some different things with that. It doesn't always just have to be about the day. You know, there's flexibility within that. There are ways to work with that. There's some advantages and disadvantages to maybe having a few longer days, but having a little more focused time on others. So there's lots of ways that districts do this. She says a four-day school week wouldn't be unheard of. In fact, Petersburg students had Fridays off last spring and fall because of COVID. A few school districts in Alaska do a four-day school week year-round, as do several in the lower 48. In Petersburg's case, the dates for the start and end of school would be the same, but school days would be longer, running from 8 o'clock to 3.30. Clue Painter says she's heard positive feedback from districts and teachers that have moved to a four-day week. There was some concern initially about even whether if it's that longer day, what does that really look like, and is that too long, and, you know, for younger kids and that kind of thing. And so they offered some different options for some things, even on a Friday within the school setting, which I think we would also do whether it's for kids or for families, maybe even recommending and providing some supports, interventions, or even just some exploratory-type options for kids. 
Activities Director Jamie Cabral says a four-day week could help students participating in travel activities. It would help us not miss as many days on those Fridays because typically you would leave on a Friday morning. And especially if we were hosting, um, we'd have less disruption within the building. School Board President Sarah Holmgrain says she'd like to see some academic data about a four-day versus a five-day week. School Board member Megan Litster suggested that they survey parents about it, and Clue Painter agreed, saying it would be a big shift and take lots of planning. A calendar change that could be easier to implement is splitting up spring break. The board voted the idea down in December for this school year, saying it was too last-minute, but planned to revisit it. Instead of one full week in March, spring break would be split into three shorter breaks. If those days were added to existing in-service days, it could mean a four-day weekend in February, a five-day weekend in March, and another four-day break in April. School board member Meg Litster liked that idea. Those are some really nice breaks, nice, good breaks. That To me, that would feel like more of a break than, than just a spring break for what it's worth. I like that. Other calendar ideas stemmed from different schedules tried during COVID, having one short day a week, for example, like half days on Fridays. Again, Superintendent Erica Kluepainter. We have talked about some of the benefits that have come out of that 8 to noon model that the middle and high school have used this year as far as ways to capture some support time for students outside the day, potentially some other intervention time for kids, small group instruction. So that's been a real benefit. School board member Katie Holmland says she liked the 8 to noon schedule for Fridays. And it would be so nice to have it on Fridays, assuming we ever get decent weather again. Being out at noon would allow families to like jump in their own boats and get out camping or hunting or whatever earlier, which is nice. Clue Painter stressed that they are just gathering ideas, and she plans to bring some drafted options to the school board in February. After that, they'll seek public comment as well as poll staff and families. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. And that's all for Raven News for this hour. You can listen to or read our stories again on our website at kcaw.org. This is Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka, coming up on 7 a.m., and we're joining NPR's special coverage of the presidential inauguration. Thanks for listening. This is live special coverage of the 2021 presidential inauguration. I'm Rachel Martin. And I'm Michelle Martin. Today, the 46th president of the United States will take his oath of office. Joseph R. Biden will become commander-in-chief just one hour from now. We've become accustomed to inaugurations steeped in history and tradition, and while this day has its share of both, and frankly promises a return to the kinds of traditions many Americans took for granted and longed for, it takes place under unprecedented circumstances. The ceremony will make history. Kamala Harris will become the first woman and the first person of black or Indian descent to become vice president. Joe Biden, a longtime U.S. senator and former vice president,